So when I was in seminary uh, in a place called Aricia, it's outside, outside of Rome, there was a restaurant which we used to go to not very often, not often enough actually, in hindsight, uh, but a nice little restaurant at the bottom of the hill uh, down the road from our seminary. Uh, it was called the Samarillion, and there was a, a wonderful waitress there. She was a ball of fire, this lady. Um, she was great. So yeah, I, I remember at one particular occasion I went in, and she said, Allora, what, what would you like? And I said, um, Fettuccine al ragù. Fettuccine, fet, we call it Fettuccine, whatever, in, in, it's fet, yeah, Fettuccine in Italian, but okay, whatever. Uh, fettuccine al ragù. And she said, No. And I said, what, 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 what do you mean, no? I mean, it's on, it's on the menu, like. And she said, no, you had that last week. And I said, I know. <laughs> I like it. That's why I'm getting it again. She said, no, <laughs> I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, sorry, the customer's always right. What, where, where's all that gone, like? And I said, I said what, 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 what's the problem? And she said, you have to try proper Italian food, proper Roman food. I said, okay, what are you suggesting? She said, Allora, this is what I'll do for you. And she told me what she was going to give me. She said, I'll give you an antipasto and the main and then a bit of a dessert sort of thing. And she told me what I was going to order. And I said, okay, <laughs> okay, all right, I trust you. So off she went anyway and brought back this, this meal, which was actually really, really nice. It really, really was good. Uh, better than, than I would have ordered myself because I just tend to order what I know. I'm Irish, so we don't have the most, we don't have the broadest palate um, when it comes to, to, to different uh, tastes. But she, she knew better than me because she knew her own stuff. She knew her own products. She knew, she knew her menu uh, better than I did, obviously. Very, very often uh, in our walk with the Lord, the Lord knows better than us. <laughs> the Lord tends to know better than us because he's God. So what he allows, what he gives what he takes away, all of these things make sense if we believe they're coming from the hand of a loving God, that he knows what the future holds. He knows who we are better than we know ourselves. So we might ask for something, but the Lord actually does know better. The Lord does know better. And, and that can be very frustrating for us, because especially when, when we're asking for, for good things like health or healing or, or you know, something that's objectively good, it can be difficult to understand why those prayers aren't immediately answered. In general, why, why the cross? You know, why the cross? Why suffering? Surely that's, that's an objective evil. It's a consequence of sin. So why, does the Lord, why doesn't he just do away with it? And it's a very interesting uh, point of contemplation, I think, uh, around in Lent and Easter, because an accusation that we will often hear if you do a, a, a primary or secondary school retreat is, especially in secondary school, if God is so good, why evil? If God is so good, why doesn't he just stop it? If God is so good, either he, and he sees all of this, either he doesn't care or he's not powerful enough to stop it. <clears throat> either he doesn't care or he's not powerful enough to stop it. Now, there's a lot, there, there, you know, it's an age-old question and there's a lot that we can get into <clears throat> like that so much of suffering in the world is caused by a misuse of freedom. We've, we've been given gifts and abilities and intelligence and talents that we can use for the building up of God's kingdom or for the oppression of other people, either through slavery or through economics or through, through who knows what. Uh, so we've been given the ability to create, but we can also use that ability to destroy. 
So, so much of what we see, so much of the pain that we see out there is, is caused by us, not by God. We shouldn't go blaming God for a war that has nothing to do with him. He didn't launch the first bomb. So, often God gets the blame for things that, that really aren't his fault, nothing to do with him. And the only way he could fix that is take away human freedom. But then if he takes away human freedom, what are we? We're just slightly more developed animals. And that's it. And if we have no human freedom, it means we cannot choose to love. We cannot choose to love. I'm not free. I can't choose to love. I'll just react. I'll just uh, follow my instincts and become more and more animalistic. And that's actually what we see. The more, the more we separate ourselves as, as, as a human race, if you will, from God's grace, the more base and animalistic we become. We just follow our impulses, whether as regards reproduction or as regards food, eating, sleep, gaming these days, whatever it is, just follow the impulses, follow the impulses. <clears throat> There's nothing higher. God, on the other hand, wants us to, to have, yes, these impulses and desires, but choose something higher, choose something greater. So even though we, we may look at the menu and say, well, I'd like that, that, and that, and that, and that, God's like, are you sure? Because there's something better out there. There really is something better out there. We're called to, to a life with him. We're called to a life of true freedom, a life of holiness. So back to the question of evil. Why evil? So, so much of what we see, yes, is caused by, by the abuse of human freedom. There are other things, though, that, that are maybe more difficult to understand, like uh, miscarriages or uh, certain diseases that aren't really the, the direct of, of a human abuse of freedom. So why are they there? And we can to and fro, and we can come up with all sorts of reasons, but I think one of the most eloquent answers is is Jesus on the cross. That's why like, the, the culmination of this, this Easter season, the, pa- the Lord's Passion, well, uh, Lenten season into Easter, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus. This is what shows us that we're not forgotten in suffering. This is what shows us that suffering isn't meaningless. This is what shows us that God isn't up there in his heavenly throne, happy out while the world is suffering, or in poverty, or dying, or ill. That God is not indifferent, that he steps down from his throne into the muck and dirt of our lives, of our humanity, reaches underneath us, getting, getting underneath us, he has to get even deeper into that dirt and become sin himself, as St. Paul says. <clears throat> he who was sinless becomes sin, to lift us up out of that dirt. So we look at this and, and God is not indifferent. God is not indifferent to, to, to our suffering, but takes it upon himself. God himself knows what it's like to suffer. So what the Lord asks of us, especially in, in today's gospel, is quite a high standard. You've heard how it was said, do not kill. But I say this to you, if you're even angry with your brother, you'll answer for it before the court. If a man calls his brother fool, he'll answer for it before the Sanhedrin. If a man calls him renegade, he'll answer for it in hell. That's that's quite the standard that we're held to. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, 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 it's a wonderful way if we were able to live like this now where not only do we not kill people, but we don't even entertain the thought of hatred or even of slander or of gossip or whatever it may be, but just to be so pure in our, in our hearts, in, in, in our soul, that, that the thought of putting another person down just wouldn't even cross our minds. So we're called to this, this standard of, of sanctity, not just don't disobey the rules and kill people 
but we're called to a standard of love people authentically. So, sometimes what we ask the Lord isn't the great, our greatest need. Sometimes what seems to be our greatest uh, intention isn't actually what, what the Lord sees as the most important thing at this moment. So Lord, we want to trust you more. We want to trust in your providence and in your guidance that what you see fit to give us, we may joyfully accept. What you see fit to remove from us, we may willingly give. What you choose, Lord, to leave us, we may wisely use. Amen.